You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Isn't it good to serve a living God, living and breathing? I believe that he's here with us. Thank you for having me. Um, I am a, a Midwesterner at heart, born and raised. I spent the first 30 years of my life in Ohio. Also lived in Minnesota for a few years. Um, went to school at the University of Michigan. And so um, I love what you're doing here at Bethel. I love um, your teachers and your staff. I knew a number of them before coming here. I've gotten to know more of them as I've been here. So I'm very excited to be here. The title of this message was Making All Things New. I say was because um, God made all things new this morning in the message. You know, when you're, when you're a speaker and you go to places, there's a privilege that speakers have, and there's a blessing in an outsider coming, because sometimes an outsider with fresh perspective can see something that God's up to, that those inside can't. And this whole week, I've been sharing with people, and I've been hearing from people, and I can clearly say it, I'm here to tell you that God is up to something new here at Bethel. And, and I just have the sense, I sense it in my spirit, that God is getting ready to do something big, and I believe that this week has an important part of that. I've seen this in, in the many conversations I've had, and so here's, for our subject matter today, here's specifically what I see. I see God calling us into the light, to engaging more fully with this topic. I don't know what exactly was said, but I understand the speaker earlier in the week spoke about this as well. Is that right? And so oftentimes when there's a repeated message, sometimes that's God. And so I think that's time to pay attention. I believe that God has something to, to share with you today. I got to meet with the student leaders yesterday, and we spent an hour together, and we were talking about sex. And the first 20, 30 minutes were crickets which is evidence of how difficult it is to talk about sex, right? We can all relate. We all understand. But then the second half, the conversation just shipped. Holy Spirit took over, and we said, why is it so difficult to talk about sex? Suddenly, here's the reason why, here's the reason why, here's the reason why. Why? Because we can all relate. The answers were so genuine and real. It was a beautiful thing. A fellow student then came up to me afterwards and he said, you know, me and my friends, we've been talking about sex all week. So I'm here to tell you today that we all recognize the awkwardness. We're all in that. Every single one of us can relate to that. But behind the scenes, at this university, and I believe in the hearts of a number of you, God's speaking to you is, is starting to call you out to walk into the light more. And so... With that introduction, I want to begin my message. God woke me up at four in the morning this morning to write this message. Keep in mind, that's one in the morning California time, which is where I was a couple days ago. And so I, I, he made all things new, truly, even for this message. Can we go to the next slide, please? Oh, can we... Um, just leave this slide up here for a second. I don't know if you guys, that the QR code, you're welcome to, to scan that and, and uh, you'll have the presentation on this. You have to, it'll take you to a document. You scroll down, it's just a Google Doc. The second page of that document will have a link to this presentation. I want you to have that for your own records. 
Um, just in case you don't have a chance to do that, the website you can find it at is bit.ly slash before it begins. So that should be on record then, and you can emphasize, you can, you can reference that now or later. But please stay with us as we go. Um, can we go to the next slide then? Okay, pause, pause here for one second. <clears throat> I want to talk about idolatry and idols and what they are. So much of our Christian walk ultimately gets reduced down to um, and um, so, so much of our Christian walk when we are falling short ultimately gets re reduced down to idols and the worship of idols. And so I want to talk to you a bit about that. Can we go to the next slide, please? So you think of an idol, you might think of something like this. I've been to India, and oh my gosh, the idols there are scary. They are the stuff of nightmares. Um, it, it, it's, um, but this is what you might think of an idol, but I'm here to tell you today that this is not, at a spiritual level, what an idol is. So what is an idol? It's this. I've given you the scriptures references here. Here is the idea. God made all of creations, all of creation, as a means through which we can see creation, and in that creation, it draws us to know more of him. And we can look at, we all have a love language with God. For me, it's outdoors and camping. I can look at a campfire. I can look at a mountain. I, and I see God in that. And it's a beautiful thing. I can do, I like doing jujitsu. I, 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 like, I like wrestling. It's something that I, I, I train and I love it. And then when I do it, I see and feel God in it. And I, I fantasize about and imagine the day that I, I'm, I'm challenging Jesus to a wrestling match in heaven. And he, and he knows and loves me. And he's going to wrestle with me in his humanness, not in his godliness. <laughs> but, um, and so all of creation is meant to point him, point us to God. But what did we do in our fallenness? As it says in, in Romans 1.25, we worshiped and served the, the things God created instead of the creator himself. So I'm here to tell you today that um, uh, an idol is not bad things that keep us from God. An idol is anything that we esteem and value and revere more than God. An idol could be a very great, fantastic, and healthy thing, but when we value it more than God, it becomes an idol and it becomes a hindrance to what God wants to do in our life. Next slide, please. So I want to start zeroing in on our subject matter for today, the created purpose value of sex. I'm here today to tell you that if you've, I understand the awkwardness of this topic and, and how it can make us feel, and depending on, we all have different experiences, and I so honor that. Some here today, you know, have experienced some heavy things in their past or even their present today, and I just want you to know that God is here. I want to talk about the created design of our sexuality, and I want to present, propose to you when we talk about you know, sex and, and the sexual acts, there are four purposes. Procreation, that's an obvious one. Pleasure, God designed sex to be pleasurable. He wants you to have pleasure in sex. Unity, two becoming one, the closest that we as humans, as man and woman, husband and wife, can know what it's like to be like the Godhead, unity and diversity, individuals and yet one. But 
The fourth one is what I want to talk just a little bit more about, and that's to know God. This one isn't as commonly talked about, but next slide. I'm not going to go through all of these. Um, I, I give you the, the, the link to access this presentation and I invite you to read this as I go here. But let me just say, sexuality and our spirituality are intrinsically linked throughout Scripture. I believe sexuality and marriage is the most dominant analogy throughout Scripture from beginning to end that describes God's relationship with us. Again, all of creation, including your sexuality, is meant to be experienced and known and drawn us to a place of worship to know our Father more. I'll give you some of the verses here. Next slide, too, please. Um, again, I, I won't, uh, I won't um, talk about all of these here, but I, I, I have them here for you to reference. If you do not understand the beauty of God's design for sexuality, I encourage you to connect to the, the Bible teachers here who can open up Scripture. And, and teachers, I exhort you to open up Scripture and to show students the beauty of God's design for sexuality. We have to stop reducing our sexual instruction to simply don't do this until marriage and instead draw people towards a positive representation of what, of what sex is, is what, of what God designed us to be. And so I really want to, in that just a couple minutes, wanted to ground us in God's positive design for our sexuality. Can we go to the next slide, please? Okay, so here I, I want to zero in on, on talking about sex. As we've established before earlier, talking about sex is hard. We talked about walking in the light in general. Walking in the light in general is hard. I want to read for you a quote from John Piper. He's one of my favorite teachers. Quote, the fact that we are children of light and part of light is truth means that Christians should not be marked by secretiveness or cloaking ourselves or our motives so that people don't really know who we are. We won't try to look on the outside what we really aren't on the inside, and this requires that we are truthful about our sinfulness and our struggles. It doesn't mean you need to broadcast to the whole world your specific struggle. That wouldn't be good for them nor you. But it does mean that you need to be known as an open book, appropriately read by accountable, mature people in your life. Hear this, students, hear this, church, hear this, God's people. When you do not walk in the life, you are harming yourself. You pay the price of it. Walking in the light in the midst of the church, the God, God gave us the church to encourage and exhort one another. It is to your benefit that iron sharpens iron. That, as Proverbs says, where there is no guidance, people fail, but in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. There are so many Bible verses that talk about the blessings of walking in the light. And there's a lot to unpack there um, that we simply don't have the time to go through right now. I'm simply exhorting you to walk more in the light for your sake. John 1, 7 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Next slide, please. Okay, this, oh shoot, I meant to give a, a little trigger warning before I, can you go back? Okay, I'm gonna put a Bible verse up that is gonna offend some people. Um, uh, that will provoke. But um, if we can't quote scripture, then what are we doing here? All right, next slide. 
That's it. Okay. I'll let you read it for yourself, that top one. You can look for yourself up. What's, why am I including this slide here? Why am I including that point specifically? What I'm here to say to you is that Bible explicitly and directly talks about sex in its created value and in its perversions. It's used in its perversions often to describe when, when we sin and fall from God. It also doesn't shy away from sexual sins that happen. They are explicitly described um, and, and uh, the consequences are, are fully communicated. Um, keep in mind the majority of civilization lived in tents, in agricultural cultures. And what do you think life was like then relative to married men and women having sex and animals having sex? Do you, do you think it was just something that was a part of their life? Think most of human history, this is how people lived. And so what's my point? I want to directly challenge the notion that this is off limits, that this is inappropriate. Let us not assume that Victorian ignorance, silence, and embarrassment are godly virtues. We can agree that lucid, sensationalized depictions aren't good, but three guiding principles. Let what you say be true, let it be sensitively described, and let it be offered in a positive spirit. If you follow those principles, then talk away, please. The Bible does. You have the weight of Scripture behind you. And so, um, I know this is hard, but I want to challenge any preconceived notions that you might have about what is and isn't appropriate in the church. Next slide, please. Okay, excellent. All right, so we're talking about, talking about sex, and, and so I have an exhortation today to two groups of people, because it takes two to talk about sex. It takes someone to share their story, and it takes someone to listen to a story. And so I'm going to give direction and guidance and encouragement to both groups. The first group is our sharing of our story. Can we go to the next slide, please? I'm going to share a couple of stories. I've shared this with others this week. <clears throat> this is a picture of me. That's me in the center, sitting in the table in the blue shirt in Kenya. The, the pastor took the men aside and the women were somewhere separate and the pastor said, I don't have anything to talk about. What do you guys want to talk about? And crickets. <laughs> you know, particularly as men, uh, this is how we can be. So, I don't know how long went by. I said, you know, for the first time, outside of maybe the closest friend or two, I said, you know, I struggle with pornography I'm probably not the only one. Let's talk. I, I want this out of my life. Let's talk about it. And we talked about it. I don't remember anything amazing being said, but here's what I do remember. I had an accountability partner, or a, partner, a friend came up to me and said, let's be each other's accountability partner. I said, fantastic. I said, I need you to know, brother, though, I, I want to do this with you, but this thing really has a hold of me. I, this is, I was several times a day visiting explicit pornographic websites I, can, I don't have time to share my testimony more broadly, but I'd be happy to do that while I'm here um, uh, today or tomorrow. Um, but uh, I said, this thing really has a hold of me, and I don't know how many times I'm going to slip, and, and, but I knew, no, I'm going in this direction. He said, amen, let's do it. Two weeks go by. Every day we talked. He was angry. He said, why? You told me you were in for the fight of your life. Every time we talk, I tell you about my struggles. You say you don't have any, you haven't had an urge to go visit. And I said, brother, I can't explain it. <laughs> but praise God, 
I've been supernaturally delivered from my sexual sin, from my pornographic addiction. James 5.16, confess your sins that you might be healed. Was true for me, and it was, was true, was, was experienced. Instant deliverance. Now, here's the thing, guys. I wish I could tell you every dimension of my sexual sin, internet pornography only being one of them, was an instant deliverance. It wasn't. Many took months and even years. But I do know and have experienced, and I'm here to encourage you today, the power that happens when we bring things into the light. There is a biblical principle of God healing you. Whether you'll experience instant deliveration or not is, is, up to God, is up to God, but you will experience an outpouring of blessing. Two things happen when we walk in the light. Number one, the enemy immediately loses power because he had you convinced that you were somehow uniquely sinful when the Bible says sin is common to all of us. You are uniquely sinful and you should keep this to yourself. The enemy loses power and God immediately pours out additional grace. You will be blessed. It is to your benefit that these things happen. Uh, next slide, please. <clears throat> this, uh, I want to share another story that I've also had the privilege of sharing with other people. I, I, this was uh, a few months after this story I just shared. This was a moment of confession for me. In Vespers this week, I spoke of, we talked about what confession was, that confession is not simply sharing a sin with someone else. You can share a sin with someone else and not be in a place of confession. Fundamentally, what the word means is to agree with. And so when we confess, we are agreeing with God. We see sin as he sees it, which is things that keep us from more of him, from pouring more of him in his life, for being closer to us. And we say yes and amen to that. And we say, we, I agree, Lord. And we confess this video is called The Great Porn Experiment. I can send you the link if, if you'd prefer. Um, you can find it on YouTube. It's a TED Talk by Gary Wilson. It's a secular scientific video, 15-minute video, that talks about the Coolidge effect, which is why and how pornography works and is so addicting. I don't have time to share about it today, but it is the reason that pornography is so destructive, the Coolidge effect. And it has to do with the instant variety that we can do now with clicks in, in the matter of seconds. I watched this video, and my friend said, what do you think? And I said, we need to watch it again. I, we watched it again, and he said, what do you think? I said, we need to pray. I proceeded to pray the most passionate prayer I've ever prayed in my life. It was the closest I've come to righteous anger. It was the closest I've ever come to seeing the sin as God saw it. And I prayed powerfully with full confidence and conviction that this evil spirit of pornography, of lust, needed to go in my life. And I renounced the day I ever tied myself into it. And I said it must be destroyed and demolished in Jesus' name. That was my moment of confession. And I'm here to tell you today, until you have that experience... It doesn't need to look as I just described. It'll look differently to anyone else. But until you see a sin in your life as God sees it, then, then we are powerless against sin. Choose today who you will serve. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Every one of us has to make that choice. <clears throat> Next slide, please. Fantastic. Um, Okay, uh, now I want to talk about 
and give some encouragement to the other side, to the person listening to stories. Um, can we go to the next slide, please? Okay, excellent. So, some of you today are going to step into a new ministry. Some of you today are going to step forward, whether physically or just in your heart, to say, you know what, I'm going to make myself available. A few pieces of encouragement. Number one, be a safe place for people to land. Be a safe, be a soft place to land. If you don't walk and it's one who stewards safety, why would anyone trust you with the most vulnerable of information, the most intimate of things that we can experience? Be a safe place. Highlight, what God, that, highlight that God is with them now. In, um, in Judges 6, um, in Judges 6, Gideon was shaken and afraid for what the Midianites had done to Israel, and, and he was downtrodden, and it seemed like all hope was lost. And if you look at Gideon, you see nothing but despair. And the angel of the Lord appears and says, Fear not, God is with you. In the midst of whatever you're struggling with, God is with you, calling to you. And so highlight that God is with them right now. Highlight what God is doing in their life, not what he's not doing, what he's doing. At a minimum, you can start with, wow, praise God, you're in a place where you're sharing this. Oh my God, the vulnerability, the courage that this takes. God is pouring out blessing on you right now. We recognize what God is doing, not what, he, not what we think he isn't doing. Call out the created um, value in people. Call out the gold in them um, and, and exhort them on the the spiritual significance of walking in the like, in the like. I want to say one thing about the safety thing, one encouragement. I know of no greater way to steward and be a person of safety than to you yourself model vulnerability and sharing your testimony. I understand there's always wisdom in when and how we share, and I understand there's dynamics on campus that have to be considered. I stand by what I said, though. I know of no greater way to steward that environment of safety. I get the privilege of experiencing so many people come and say, let me share what's going on with you in my life. And as an aside, I would love to have that opportunity with you if you felt so led. Um, you can reach, you can find me on beforeitbegins.org, my phone number, and email on there. I'd love to, to meet with you and connect while I'm still here um, later today or tomorrow. <clears throat> Do not condemn, rather offer people living water. This is how Jesus relates to us, right? He, he, um, uh, um, he doesn't say, woman, don't do that. Why are you, you, have, you have, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Don't do that. Don't you know the scripture says this? He says, I offer you living water. He says to the, to the adulterous woman, then neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. That's an example of the next, uh, one of the next principles, which is to lead with grace without compromising truth. Jesus did that perfectly. I shared an example earlier in the week of an example of leading with truth without a grace, being people who stand on the street corner that says, with, with signs that say, repent or burn in hell. And I'd say, well, it's truth, brother. You know, truth is love, right? It's truth. Like, 
There's no grace in what you're communicating. And it's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. I see God time and time again leading with grace without compromising truth, but he leads with grace. And lastly, being ministers of forgiveness. We have to forgive. Sometimes we have to forgive others. A lot of times we need to forgive ourselves. It's, a, it's an odd aspect of our psychology where God could have fully forgiven us and yet we still hold ourselves accountable. When we don't forgive ourselves, we reject this precious gift from God. We judge ourselves according to a different standard than God's and we judge ourselves to be guilty or forever helpless to our past and this becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Forgiveness is central and foundational to everything that follows. If we are not forgiven, then we remain under the judgment of the law and of sin and death. He has died once and for all for the forgiveness once and for all so that you might be set free and be called sons and daughters of God. And so we're going to... Can you go to the next slide? So here's what we're going to do for response just in the last few minutes we have here, guys. <clears throat> I've seen over the course of these last couple days how God's working on campus and individuals, and I believe he's calling us into walking more in the light. You haven't heard this message before. Some of you were already wondering since before this even message. Maybe it's a, it's a conviction for something going on. Maybe, you know, I should really share this with someone. Maybe it's simply, you know what? I want to be available to my friends, to my peers. I want to be available to help with others. There's a significance when we step into this. We activate the faith. We activate this gift. God blesses our response. And so I want to, I'm, going to, I'm going to ask people to come forward in just a moment, and I want to be clear. I'm going to call forward anybody who wants to make a commitment to say, you know what, I want to start down this path. I want to make myself more open. I want to walk in the light and receive all the blessings, and, and, and chief of which is God himself, that God has in store for that. And so if you want to make that commitment today, if you want to walk in this ministry, if you want to make yourself available, or if you want, whatever the reason, if you want to talk more about this, I know you're out there. I've talked to you. You're there. And so right now, can, we, can I get uh, the worship team to pad? I should have called that up just a minute ago. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen to Holy Spirit. This is a time to listen to God. I'm going to shut up now so he can speak to you.
check, check, check. This is the invite. Now is the time. Now is your moment. I've shared with you my moments. Now is your moment. Do you want it or not? It's your choice and no one can make it for you. Would you please step forward now? By stepping forward, you're saying, I want to walk in the light more. I want to make myself available more. I want to talk about this more. I'm sick of keeping it to myself when we all know that we, we have struggles here, when we all know that it's such an intimate part of what we do. Step forward now if this is you. I want to invite the, you know, any, any this is for faculty and, and, and ministry team, anyone who is called to this ministry, step forward now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that there's more. There's more on the there's more on the edge. You're you're thinking about it. Only you can make this choice. You are in a safe place. Your, your leadership team has prayed for this moment. I have prayed for this moment. God has seen this moment. The Son has interceded for this moment. Just 30 more seconds. students you are not alone there are people who want to talk and so now you are not without excuse to put it bluntly you know who wants to talk and so these people and, and others have been avail making themselves available for ministry as we, as we close here, and Tom's gonna close here in just a second. I'm available for ministry both now, as well as, um, as I said, later throughout the day, um, or, or tomorrow, you can find me on beforeitbegins.org. And so now, as a final exhortation, come descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.betheluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.